What's up, Gumbo listeners? Demetrius here, dropping episode number 108 for you today. And I have Shira Shambin, CEO at Salvo On. And Shira is a security researcher and technical expert with a focus on cloud security. And currently, she is the co-founder and CEO of Salvo. Shira started her professional career in cybersecurity as a military officer in the Elite Intelligence Unit 8200 of the Israel Defense Force. And during her 13-year service in the unit, Shira acquired hands-on experience in cybersecurity and intelligence operations while earning an engineering degree from Tel Aviv University. So Gumbo listener Shira discusses cloud security trends, details on shifting left in your software development lifecycle, and keys on automating your workflows. So let's get right into this episode. Hello, Shira. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me today. All right. It's definitely an honor to have you on and to learn a little bit about Salvo and uh, what, what you're up to these days. So why don't you start off just by giving us an overview of the company and um, the, some of the challenges that, that you solve with your technology? With pleasure. So what we came to understand is that the new problems in the cloud security world uh, begin uh, with the software developers who all of a sudden got a new responsibility when they deliver their software. They also have to attach it with security policies to their cloud infrastructure. But unfortunately, they don't always know how to do that. So they use very generic uh, security practices that uh, often include admin permissions, for example. Uh, so having these excessive permissions creates vulnerable uh, uh, cloud applications. And Solvo is creating a least privileged security configuration automatically for them. We recently launched uh, a new product uh, that actually uh, audits uh, AWS accounts for free mm -hmm. and mm. gives you a security score and the breakdown of uh, the status of your identity and access management in the account. So we actually send you back a report with all of those findings, and then you can use our freemium product uh, to resolve those issues or not, and then wait and see okay. what happens. <laughs> so I, I want to pull out the audit uh, portion that, that you mentioned. So you, you said that you provide an audit for free. What, what are some of the things that the audit will do for, um, let's say, a gumbo listener if they were to decide to actually utilize that service? Perfect. So usually in the cloud, you, you store some pieces of data you, and you have your services, you know, grabbing them, putting them in other places, doing some manipulations on them. And we want to make sure that uh, the necessary permissions are being given to the relevant uh, uh, factors, to the relevant assets. For example, I have a Lambda function that reads an item off of a DynamoDB. So I can grant the access uh, to a specific Lambda function to view a specific table in a specific DynamoDB. And then I should also mention if the Lambda is supposed to read or also write, write uh, or also delete. So I can specify all of those actions. And in our audit, uh, we, we take a look if you're using overly uh, uh, permissive um, policies, like are you using admin permissions? Are you using full access permissions? We always don't recommend uh, 
to use these kind of permissions, but instead to use granular uh, permissions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in our report, you'll be able to see if, if the, the practice of, of overly permissive policies exists in your AWS account. Um, and it gives you a score, so you can also check it over time and see if you're getting better at it. This way, you'll know if, if you might be granting access to you know, S3 buckets, RDSs, uh, DynamoDBs, and so on. So these are places where we usually find people storing uh, the things that should be protected. All right. So, so you are getting really cloudy on us. Uh, you mentioning um, EC2 and DynamoDB and, you know, Lambda function, some of the other AWSC, mm-hmm. AWSC yes. with the Y <laughs> types of things that, that can be done. But let's take a step back and go a little more broader just to software as a service. And what's your view of the rise of software as a service and and SaaS platforms, because it's definitely a thing now and you're hearing it more and more today. And also, why is that a a great first move for organizations that are going to the cloud? I think that uh, using SaaS software as a service is a great way to help us accelerate uh, product delivery, products that are uh, Uh, Mm software-based. Unfortunately, creating new software it's always a, a hustle. It's always a, a challenge to find the best uh, uh, talents uh, that will create very good software. So okay. uh, we have plenty of companies creating software as a service for us to help us save time. We cannot develop uh, practices in every uh, you know aspect in the software. For example, us at Solvo, we didn't find it. Uh, it, it doesn't make sense for us to develop uh, in-house a user management functionality or authentication management functionality. So there are plenty of services or SaaS products that help us do that. And I know you wanted to talk about SaaS and maybe dig into the cloud a little later, but even the cloud providers, for example, AWS, have a managed service for authentication. Uh, for example, it's, uh, in AWS, it's called Cognito. Um, but this way, it saves us, it's all about time. Uh, uh, we don't have to develop that kind of mechanism from scratch, but we can use what AWS is, is uh, creating for us. So this, uh, this is just one example for uh, the benefits of using software that other people created for us and made it very easy for us to integrate it into our vision and our applications, uh, usually using API. Um, okay. And uh, I think that this is great. And I think that, you know, today we're talking about SaaS, but we might uh, meet here in, in a year from now and we'll be talking about no-code applications. Mm. Okay. Uh, so I think that uh, SaaS is, is one step behind. Okay. Uh, integrating SaaS products into our product is, was, was created in order to save us time and to make us uh, more efficient. But in the future, we won't even need the developers. We'll have these kind of uh, product designers who take pieces of applications and just integrate them all together. Mm. So you said low code, right? Not no code. So either I, I, I've heard both terms recently. Yeah. Even if mm-hmm. it's going to be low code, this is going to save us plenty of time. Think about it just as a Lego, right? You have okay. those bricks in different sizes and different colors, and you can build a castle, you can build a, um, a house, uh, you can build a, a, a palace, like right. you can build a car. 
Mm-hmm. So this is what I think the software world is going to look like, and uh, we'll need different um, practices. Okay, so since, since we're on the software world, I was on your website, did some poking around, and I saw this diagram, and it explained the concept that was called shift left. And I was really curious about the shift left concept and as it pertains to software development. Do, do you mind explaining that to me and what the philosophy is around it? Absolutely. So in the diagram, we have on the left side the design and then the development of the product. Then we usually you know, test it and deploy it. Hopefully, we make it to production, and then we maintain the code working. So we, we very often find that security products, for example, focus on the right side, on the production environment, uh, where we do the maintenance, and there they do the detection of different security issues. Now, we've heard it all before. We heard it in the QA world before, that detecting bugs as early as possible would enable us to, uh, to resolve them much faster, and it's going to be much cheaper. So same goes for security issues and security of the cloud infrastructure specifically. If we will detect those issues in production, this is going to cost us a lot of time and money to resolve them. They, will, they might result in a downtime of our system or, or users that are unhappy. So the sooner uh, we, we resolve them, the better uh, and faster it is going to be. And the shifting left means that we actually try to do that on the left side of the software development life cycle. Uh, 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 the entire phenomenon of shifting left is not only in the security world. We see that in the software delivery in general, different products try, trying to find bugs in your code or trying to see if you're using a, a third parties and libraries. All right, so Shira, let, let, me, let me give a visual to the Gumbo listeners of the cycle, the software development life cycle on your website. So it's starts with the design process all the way on the left and then you move from design to development to testing to production and then maintenance and so if there's a problem on the left side which is in the in the design phase then you need to shift left so those solutions will actually i guess so you could vet those solutions by shifting left and then working your way through the process exactly That's instead of just doing them at the end of the process on the right side uh, while while the product is in in the production environment. I say let's detect issues on the left side. And and that way, instead of detecting, uh, we're actually going to do preventing. Mm, Okay. Uh, We will prevent security issues or we'll prevent uh, uh, bugs from occurring as early as possible. Got it. Got it. And... Since, since you are on the gumbo, it's, it's a mixture of a lot of different things. So I like to jump around a bit. Now, now I'm going back to the cloud and I'm curious to see what your expertise is and what you have seen around cloud infrastructure misconfigurations. Great. And there, there are a lot of items in the news, you know, where some, someone misconfigures something, there's an S3 bucket or something that doesn't have the appropriate flag turned on, et cetera. I want your perspective on, I guess, how do you prevent that from happening in the future? Or what's, once again, your philosophy on cloud infrastructure misconfigurations and you know, maybe your take on how to maybe prevent that from happening in the future? Great. 
So, so yes, you mentioned the S3. That's probably the most uh, notorious uh, uh, cloud service uh, because we just frequently hear about uh, leaky buckets containing uh, private data. You know, uh, I, we can mention plenty of uh, uh, flight uh, 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 um, uh, companies or hotels or even a, um, a, a federal organizations that these kind of things happen to them. So you tell yourself, well, if this happened to my bank or to my uh, uh, mobile company, what does it mean about you know, every startup or uh, every you know, other type of, of company that stores our data? So unfortunately, this can happen to, to anyone because these are honest mistakes of people uh, who, who maybe have a very strong security team that uh, has lots of uh, restrictions on, the, on their data, but then you have, you know, one person saying, oh, I, I just want to test this little thingy and see if it's working. So let me just open this up a little bit, loosen up the, the security policy, and then forget to, to close it back, uh, okay. to tighten it back down. Or people saying to themselves, well, this is a staging environment. This is not real data and nobody really cares about it. Let's take a dump of our users from two years ago. But what do you know? Your users didn't ch change their uh, social security number. <laughs> so even if the, the data from production, uh, from, from staging leaks, it's still very bad. So, so we're just seeing people making really honest mistakes because of their awareness or because... Uh, uh, they don't have the right knowledge, and I can also share that you know I'm I, I'm a supporter of OWASP, the Open Web Application Security Project. This is a nonprofit organization that creates lots of content and, uh, and materials to educate developers about secure coding. It's free, by the way. Everyone can get uh, uh, these materials. But what I learned is that we really tried hard to train developers to deliver better security in the software or in the infrastructure world. But unfortunately, I think that we failed. Okay. And why is that? This is why. So you, so you think that they failed or we all failed or? It's not that they failed. OWASP are, are creating content, right? They're creating uh, content to help developers deliver better products. But I'm saying that us as security practitioners, we failed at our job because we failed at delivering and maintaining our products and the user's data secured. And I don't blame the developers for that. Their job is to del uh, deliver software, not to uh, uh, be the best security engineers in the world. And it's unfair that we uh, ask them to be a DevOps engineer and a, a, a security engineer uh, while all they wanted to do is just write code. They don't have the time to think about all the different attack vectors and exploits that can happen uh, in their software. This is why I'm saying that we as security practitioners failed. But there is a solution. There are plenty of, of things that, that today we can do automatically. That today we can have a machine check for us or create for us uh, and we should put our efforts over there we should try and implement into our processes some automated solutions to make sure we protect our users data we protect our crown jewels and we only allow access to the persons and to the processes that needs that in the right place and the right time okay something like implementing least privileged access. So 
not giving access unless you absolutely need it to do that one specific thing that you're dedicated to doing. Exactly. Uh, that's something I'm seeing a lot as well. And uh, what is that? Zero trust. Yep. Is also something else that's implemented, but it's not as easy as it sounds to implement. And it, it's a huge pro- project to actually implement zero trust on a, on, a, on a global scale. Moving back into automation, which you mentioned as well, wh- where does automation come into play and how critical is it for the Gumbo listeners to maybe get more serious about automating their workflows? Great. So I think that the more mature we get uh, in adopting the cloud, it means that we're also moving into CI/CD, continuous integration and continuous deployments. So again, we are the the work of the CI/CD integrator or the DevOps engineer. They their work is you know when when they create the process and then if they did it well, they don't have much to do. Because everything will happen automatically. The software will make it to production automatically. And in the same manner, we are now mature enough to do security automatically, or at least big parts of it. I think that users are, they just don't want to spend time on tasks they don't like to do. And this is why uh, automation is so important. You also see it, you know, not even in the software world, but in the uh, productivity world, where you have products that identify patterns in your uh, digital behavior. Like you wake up, you check your mail, and then then you scroll Mm -hmm. around Facebook. So they can automate some of those things for you because they understand that this is your pattern and your process. People, you know, have their routine tasks that they have to do. And security is a routine task that we have to do. But we, if we don't have the right knowledge and the right expertise uh, to do security, okay. but what do you know? There are algorithms that can help us make better decisions. How about if we automate using those algorithms and taking their advice? We, we, can, be, we can have critical thinking around it. We don't have to automatically accept everything a computer recommends us. But for the most part, it's probably going to be a better a recommendation than just using admin permissions. Okay. Uh, it will probably take us to a, to a better place. Uh, then we can also do a, a manual process of, you know, reviewing and vetting that. But uh, uh, using an automated suggestion to replace admin permissions or full access permissions is probably going to be um, a good idea. Okay. Now, is that also, is that implementing artificial intelligence and machine learning, or is that just pure coding and like writing in PowerShell or Go or, you know, Python, one of those languages, or is that like an AI ML implemented within that also? So uh, we, we talked about SAS before, and generally speaking, I think that if you need certain expertise that you don't have today, for example, making decisions around security configurations. So using an external service to help you do that should be really good. And then you can just see how to integrate it in the best way possible into your uh, pipelines and and the way that you usually work. So uh, if you use uh, Jenkins, for example, so how about if you integrate it over there? Um, Same goes for, you know, every other product that you use for your CI CD processes. Um, mm-hmm. But but we should take you know we should take the advice of, of the people who eat and breathe uh, security uh, and use that instead of creating this uh, expertise 
in-house. Sometimes it's it's not worth it. It's not cost-effective. Okay. So um, also, I would be remiss if I didn't mention ransomware, which always comes up. You know, it's it's a really hot topic. And even today, there's at least a couple big news items around ransomware hitting uh, and, and encrypting data in, in either a hospital or just some large organization or small organization. How do you protect data in the cloud from ransomware from, from your perspective? What's your view on that? Uh, so ransomware is, is a very um, interesting kind of attack uh, because we take hostage your data. Uh, so you cannot, for example, this can uh, take down a hospital because they cannot, you know, you took a blood test and nobody can tell your, your numbers. Um, and unfortunately, we're still seeing that. And obviously, a lot of organizations are also paying the ransom because they didn't prepare themselves uh, uh, for this, this kind of event. So, you know, one thing we should mention here to, to the audience is please back up your data and keep it somewhere else. I know it sounds silly, but uh, you can automate the process of, of taking a dump of your current, uh, take a snapshot, keep it somewhere else. Uh, this will save you a lot of time and money in case of a ransomware um, attack. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so in this kind of attack, uh, what must have happened is that some malicious actor got credentials of, of the account somewhere yeah. that were high enough to enable them uh, to run a piece of code or to install uh, some kind of executable. Sometimes it happens uh, remotely. So I send you a, an email with, that looks really interesting. You open it up and, uh, and then I take over uh, your AWS account and, and, and encrypt your data. And um, in this case, you know, we could have prevented it if we kept the uh, least privileged principle. So I'm guessing most of, of the users in your account don't need privileges to uh, encrypt all the volumes or to delete uh, all the databases and so on. You know, not all hackers really uh, encrypt. Some of them actually delete or corrupt your data. Um, so, so if we make sure that only the relevant users have such a high privilege, uh, this will definitely, you know, hackers go for the low-hanging fruits. So don't make it uh, uh, easy on them. Now, another one, because you mentioned the, the ransomware, so, so another very popular um, hack that we're seeing these days is we call them uh, wallet attacks. So this is when a hacker, um, you know, exploits your uh, credit card and actually doesn't, uh, doesn't hurt your data, but spins up very expensive uh, uh, cloud uh, uh, machines uh, with a lot of GPU to do some crypto mining and you're paying for it. Uh, so this is also something that we see. And, or, or they can uh, make use of your uh, infrastructure to attack other accounts uh, in kind of a federated uh, hack or a distributed hack. Uh, and this also has to do with the privileges of, of what other people can do in your account. So we have to keep in mind that, you know, very often people want uh, root access or admin access, and we feel uh, uncomfortable saying no to them. But this is the price you're going to pay. Um, so I know it's, it's not really nice to say no to, to the new team member of, of the DevOps team or, or a new developer, but 
yes, unfortunately, we have to make sure they can only execute uh, uh, certain types of, of actions in this account. Right. I, I completely agree with that. Now, you, you said it's called wallet attack? Yeah, because we attack your wallet. We make you pay yeah. for something. And okay, so the wallet attack, the first thing that, that popped in my head was, was that it was a Bitcoin cryptocurrency type of attack because you mentioned wallet. So digital wallet or, or it could be a credit card, yeah. which, which is what you said, right? So we say wallet because it, it hurts your pocket, right? Your, oh, your okay. okay. Got uh, it. Not necessarily Got it. The, the digital uh, currency uh, e-wallet. Okay. Yeah, I'll be on the lookout for, for that term because nowadays I just see ransomware and I gravitate toward the latest ransomware story to, wow, is this something new that happened? And most of the time, it's not something new. It's mm -hmm. kind of a variant of something that happened before. But the bad actors and the ransomware actors, they are getting smarter they and are. smarter every day and more sophisticated. So it's it's a full time job for them as well. Now, one one final question before we wrap up today, and I I think you mentioned APIs earlier on in the conversation. So what what role does APIs play in data management and analytics, and what's the security angle to just having open APIs? So uh, API is a great mechanism for, for different systems to interact. It correlates well with the, with the Lego analogy from before. And the API enables us to connect different services that were not uh, born together, that were not created by the same company. Uh, in order to make them uh, orchestrate well together, they also need an API key. Uh, this is uh, what enables them to, to, to accept the communication from one to the other. And uh, obviously, again, when talking about the cloud and, and third-party services and the providers, we need to provide each other with an API key. And, and providing my key to another company, if they don't protect uh, the keys, the API keys that they're getting uh, from their customers, they might find themselves as an attack vector. Just like okay. we saw, gotcha. SolarWinds wasn't an API attack, but it, it's a great example to a company that was an attack vector into other companies. Uh, so if we don't uh, protect API keys, the, the, the organization holding all of them is going to be uh, an attack vector uh, uh, into many other companies. So one thing we should pay attention to is, is who has our API keys to uh, uh, invoke them uh, if if we don't use them or if we stopped consuming a specific service uh, uh, to revoke them. And um, when, when talking about data, again, it, understanding each other's API is a great way to connect different products together. Mm -hmm. So again, you don't have to, uh, for example, I, I want to build a, a, a SIM where I'm going to keep uh, all the logs uh, that has to do with the monitoring on my environment. Uh, so I want to consume different logs from different components in my environment. And doing so uh, with the with API is, is going to enable me to look at logs from, from different companies that monitor different things in my application. Right. Okay. Um, that's really good. Uh, that's really useful. 
but we also need to make sure that we don't grant uh, uh, third parties uh, with access into our environments using API. Okay, well, awesome. I, I have learned a lot just by having this, this short conversation with you. And do you mind providing maybe one of your social media accounts that maybe the Gumbo listeners can connect to you on social media? Absolutely. You can connect to me uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm Shamban IT, Shambanit. And I'm also on, on LinkedIn. Uh, so feel free to reach out, say hi, and, and ask me anything uh, that comes to mind. All right. Well, it's definitely been a pleasure to, to have you on, Shira. And... Until next time, thanks for appearing on Data Protection Gumbo. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.